You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. All right, praise the Lord. Good morning. Oh! Okay, before I start teaching this morning, I actually want to do two things. Um... The first is, I want to take testimonies from this week. I know, right? We don't usually do that. But while I was praying this morning, the Holy Ghost asked me to do so. So, I want to take testimonies from this week. Um, so, just by show of hands, if you want to give a, share a testimony about something that happened this week, raise your hand above your head. Just by show So, one, who else? I'm going to take just three people. Now, watch the hands go up. Who else? Who else wants to share a testimony? Two. Who is the third person? Come on now. Amen. Amen. Who is the third person? I, I need a third person. You want to share a testimony about something that happened this week? Um, you were healed. Um, you prayed about something on Sunday. You spoke something into existence on Sunday. And then you saw it happen this week. Let me see. Anybody like that? Raise your hand above your head. Amen. So we just have two people. That's fine. All right, you're the first, so... No, just sit. sit. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Um, I remember Pastor said something last week about putting my life, putting our lives in order, and some things I, I have left over the years, I, I started seeing myself doing them even with more ease, even enjoying it, you know. It was amazing. Praise I, the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. So, um, okay, you have a microphone already. Praise Hold Jesus. On. Hallelujah. Uh, well, it's it's a long story, but I'll shorten it. Uh, I was walking at a place. I was walking at a place like I was I was employed before. Yeah. Then my boss was owing me for over how many months? He just paid last week. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. How many months? How many months? <laughs> how many months now from March? That's from March. From March. So that's about six months. Well, praise God for that. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, there's a second category of people I want to talk to. And it's the people who experienced disappointments this last week. Raise your hand if you experienced it and you you don't mind sharing. Raise your hand. Okay, you know what? Raise your hand if you experienced a disappointment at all. You don't have to share. We just want to see the people. One. Raise your hand. Two. Three. Four. Five. Five. Good. Six, much more than the guys that had testimonies. That's nice. Seven, all right. Now, if you might, if you if you want to share, let me see your hand up. Anybody? You all just don't want to share. <laughs> Nobody wants to share. Why? Why did I ask for those who had disappointments? Because there is a a way we've been groomed. Can I have everyone's attention, please? Okay, you want to share? How, how are we doing this? <laughs> all right, give her the microphone. You know all those people that you will crack the joke in the morning and they will laugh in the night? High favor. Um, hello, church. Um, I want to thank God for my mom. My mom was sick, like very, very sick. But I want to thank God that she's very fine. And even after um, the sickness... She has been having high blood pressure issues a lot, but now, like, it's very, very normal, like, a baby's own. Hallelujah. She's very fine. Thank God. Hallelujah. And we decree that that will stay that way in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Still nobody feel like sharing a disappointment? Anyone? It doesn't have to be big. It can be small. You probably apply. you probably bought credits, and then you overbought what you planned. Let's say you wanted to load 500, and you loaded 50,000. And so now you're looking for who to sell MTN credits to. Precious. <laughs> Morning, can I have that button? Use the mic. Is it on? Hi. Oh. So it wasn't on. Good <laughs> <laughs> morning, church. Um, okay, so I, there was a job I was meant to get. It was already like closed and I didn't get it again. Oh, wow. So sorry about that. Sorry about that. You. You'll get a better one. Yes. Anyone else want to share? 
anyone else want to share? Come on. All right, let's leave it like that. Okay, Bosala wants to share. Yes, so praise God. Hallelujah. My dad was supposed to send me money, actually. So, he, <laughs> I called him yesterday that I'll find the money, and he said, till next month. Wow, um, this month just started. Like, yeah. this is just second Sunday in this month. Till yeah. next month. Wow, that's huge. Don't worry, you'll get money in Jesus' name. <laughs> well, the reason why I asked for the disappointments is because... There's a way we've been groomed to think, especially as Christians, that it's all fun and games, you know. It's a bed of roses. Come to church, prophecies will be given, and once prophecies are given, all the problems have ended, you know. But Paul was speaking to Timothy, and he said to him, that the prophecies were given that you might, with them, war a good warfare. And if you know anything about war, even from movies, it's not pleasant. Do you understand? It's not that thing that people do when they fight like this. War is unpleasant. And even in battle, sometimes you lose some parts of the battle in order to win the war. Is that correct? And so sometimes, although prophecies were given last week, hands were laid you might still experience a few setbacks. And that happens. This last week, I'm, I'm going to be, like Michael Todd will say, humble, open, and transparent. This last week was one of the most difficult weeks of my year. I tell you, I mean, let me tell you where it started. Monday evening, I came back from going to see a friend. Or was it Tuesday. And then my wife said, they brought Nepal bill. Wow. And then I saw the bill. And I started laughing. You know when you just see, it's like you enter an exam that you know that you are going to fail. Then you see the questions. And then your suspicions are confirmed that I will fail. So you just start laughing. You can't cry, you just laugh. I saw the bill and I started to laugh. And to be very sincere, this hasn't been one of my best financial weeks. Do you understand? And it was a huge setback. I couldn't pray. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I found it difficult to pray. Or even, I went offline. I didn't send anything anywhere. I wasn't answering anybody's messages. I think Busola sent me a message for service title on Wednesday. I didn't answer till like Friday night. Because <laughs> I wasn't interested. I was just devastated. Terrible. You see, you will experience some setbacks. And, and anybody that says, oh, because you've got Jesus, you won't experience setbacks, should remember that Jesus calmed the storm, but there was a storm. Do you understand? There had to be a storm for him to come. Do you get that? So, the fact that we've prayed, we've prophesied, we've, we've spoken into our week, and, and we didn't see everything we said come, um, come true, does not invalidate the power of God that we have access to. Do you get that? It does not invalidate the power of God that we've got access to. It just means that life is happening. We live in a fallen world. We live in a chaotic world. I, I was saying last week that chaos is automatic. Disorderliness is automatic. Do you understand? I, I'm an engineer by training. And the second law of thermodynamics, if you're speaking concerning entropy, I'm very sorry for those of you that are not science people, tells you that everything in the universe tends naturally towards entropy. That is, towards disorderliness. It tends naturally that way. It's a physics law. Do you understand? The world is chaotic. Do you get this? The world is chaotic. And so... Even while you are trying to put things in order, sometimes some things will slip out of your hand. Have you ever tried to get a baby ready for school or something? I mean, you finished bathing the baby, you drop the baby, okay, let me just get the diaper and the baby crawls away. Have you seen that video of that guy? Those three, the triplets that were going to the fridge and he was trying to get them away and he would take this one away and the next one would crawl and, and then by the time he takes this one back, the first one has gone back. And they are like, oh yeah, shoot me. Does this ever happen to you that 
you are looking for something and for the life of you, you cannot find it anywhere in the house where you need it. But the moment you don't need it, you'll just see it lying everywhere. Things happen. These things happen. And the truth is, sometimes the disorderliness is not as simple as, oh, I'm not trying to make light of your situation, but it's not as simple as, oh, I asked my dad to send me money, but he didn't send me money. That's not very nice, but it happens. Sometimes the disorderliness is not as simple as, oh, I wanted to get a job, but I didn't get it. Sometimes it's as high as, oh, I lost a loved one. Do you understand? And that's part of life. It happens. Jesus didn't promise you that there won't be storms. Jesus promised you peace in the storm. Jesus promised you the ability to sleep through the storm. Sometimes that's what the order is. That things are happening around you, but there's peace, there's calm. You can go through it unfazed, unaffected by it. Will you cry? Yes. Do you feel bad? Yes. But does it change the general makeup of your life? No. Do you understand this? So for that reason, I started, I started by asking for testimonies because, you know, it's nice when you come to church, testimonies are shared and testimonies are important. Test, why are testimonies important? Testimonies are important because they help you see what God has done somewhere else and give you something to look forward to. They help boost your faith, simply put. For example, you hear that somebody, if, if someone shared a testimony now, that, oh, last week I prayed for a job and now I have a job. Now, you that you're praying for a job will say, oh, Lord, I see what you're doing for other people. I, I'm going to get my job too. And so you start looking forward to that. You start having faith for that. That's what testimonies do. But the reason why, unconventionally, I asked for people with downtimes is so that you know that you are not alone. Listen, it's possible for you to hear so many testimonies and then you're like, why is something is wrong with me? I mean, everybody else has a testimony. I mean, everybody else left with a positive experience. I'm the only one who left with a downtime. So please, raise your hand if you had a downtime. And people raise their hands. So you know, okay, maybe I'm not alone. Do you understand this? And today, we're still going to continue talking about putting your life in order. You see, I told you last week that there was so much I wanted to say, um, but I didn't have the time to say it. So, I'll go through it today. And what I want to talk about today is the place of purpose in order. The place of purpose in order. The place of purpose in order. Amen. Listen, if you want to arrange your room, for example, you don't just start arranging your room. You put things in order with respect to purpose. Do you get that? You put things in order with respect to purpose. So, for example, I don't put the bed in the sitting room. Right? And I don't put the microwave oven in the bathroom. I put the microwave oven in the kitchen because that's where it should be. And I put the bed in the bedroom because, you see, that's where it should be. Purpose must define order. So if you are going to put your life in order, you must do it with respect to purpose. Are you getting this? You see, think about it like this. When you want to measure anything, you measure it from a starting point. It's from that point you, you draw a measurement. You don't just put the line like this as, okay, 12 meters. 12 meters of what? Okay, if I say it is about 10 feet or 8 feet from that wall to where I am, there is a reference point, the wall. There is an end point, me. That's what purpose does for order. It gives you a reference point and an end point. 
You see, without those two, there is no real order. Do you understand what I'm saying? Without those two, there is no real order. If you intend to fry something, if you intend to fry eggs, for example, you don't just take the fry pan, put it on a gas that is not lit, then pour brick eggs into it, then pour oil inside the egg, then wait, then put on the gas. You do it in the proper sequence because there is a purpose, an end goal you are trying to achieve. Is that true? And so, for a human being to make his life have meaning, he's got to answer the question of purpose. Why exactly am I here? Praise the Lord. Why exactly am I here? What am I on earth for? You see, until you answer that question, raise, listen, raise your hand. If in the last few years, maybe two years, you have tried several things and at some point you start feeling like it's all pointless. Raise your hand if that's happened to you. Until you answer the question of purpose, you actually cannot put your life in order. You'll be carrying out activities but not making any progress. You must always realize that activity is not always progress. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Activity is not always progress. Listen. If we are running a 100 meter race and everybody's running this way, but I turn and I'm running this way, you know, kind of like how the rest of the world is going like this, but our beloved country has decided that they want to go in this way. So I turn and I run this way. It doesn't matter if I cover the most distance in the shortest period of time, I will not win that race. I will be making the most activity. I might be the fastest person in that race. But look, I will not win. Do you know why? Because activity is not always progress. Activity is only progress when done in respect to purpose. Do you understand? Activity is only progressive when done with respect to purpose. Activity is only progressive when done with respect to purpose. So if you are going to make any progress in your life, purpose must be defined. A lot of people think that making progress in life means having the most amount of money. Money is great. By all means, work and get it. Do you understand? But have you seen people who have money but still feel like their lives are empty? They have fame, but still feel like their lives are empty. They have everything, but still feel like their lives are empty. Have you seen people who wake up every morning, they go to work, come back every night, they earn good salaries, but still feel like, what am I even doing with my life? I need to go and discover myself. Have you heard people say that before? The problem here is not that you don't know who you are. You really know yourself. The problem is purpose is missing. And so Dr. Miles Monroe of Blessed Memory said that when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. Do you understand? Abuse is inevitable. It's just like our parents did not know the purpose of leather belts. And so they abused it by using it to flog us. I'm just joking. In the same way, when the purpose of a life is not known, abuse for that life is inevitable. Do you get this? Some people, for example, God puts a pastor in your life, but you don't know what your pastor was given to you for, so you abuse that relationship. You see, you abuse that relationship. Some people, the only thing they call their pastor for is money. Pastor, I need money. And the purpose for the giving of pastors, which is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, is not fulfilled. Why? Abuse has set in. Purpose was lacking. If you will put your life in order, if you will put yourself together, you must of a necessity 
identify your purpose. Now listen, let me tell you something. Purpose is not figured out. Have you heard people say things like, I'm trying to figure out why I'm here on this earth. You don't figure it out. You don't ask a chair to figure out why it was made. You don't look at the microphone and say, why were you made? The microphone says, I don't know. Figure it out. Purpose is not figured out. The, if, if you ever went to a teens seminar when you were much younger, maybe they organized a youth camp meeting, a summer camp meeting for youth. There was always one teaching that they always did. Purpose. And they will tell you, purpose is that thing you are very good at. Whatever it is you are good at is your purpose. Some people are good at sleeping. Excellent sleepers. Some people are good at eating rice. I'm not judging anybody in this hall. Praise be high. <laughs> Some people are very good at eating rice. Some people are good at lying. Have you seen someone that's good at lying? Like they will fabricate the lie. Like you'll be looking like, wow. I know I'm meant to be angry at you, but wow. Could that really be their purpose in life? <laughs> that God created me to lie. And do you know the interesting thing? When people give you those kinds of de- um, um, definitions, they would only give them with respect to abilities that they consider to be prestigious. If you're good at singing, if you're good at dancing, what if what I'm very good at is making hair? You know, that, that, that would be, a, it will lead you to your purpose. Because they don't really respect the hairdressing profession, which in itself is not a, ter- is a very great profession, but they don't respect it. So that your purpose is to become a doctor. Let me ask you a question. Can you really just naturally discover that you're good at being a doctor? We need to do better with our children. A lot of people are studying medicine because they are comfortable at the sight of blood. I want you to think about that. So I devote seven years of my life to cramming things that I don't don't like because somebody cut his hand and I didn't wince at the sight of blood. Say, hmm... Must be a doctor. <laughs> or somebody stated this point, and me with passion, I stated my own point. Say you are going to be a lawyer. I can see it in your future law. So I will go and start reading boring books because my purpose is to become a lawyer. How do I know? I argued properly. The argument does not matter. It might have been football we're arguing about, but I'm a lawyer. We need to do better with our children. Raise your hand if by the time you started studying your course you realize, Kai, I've made a mistake. Raise your hand. <laughs> like, I started studying chemical engineering. By the time I entered my second <laughs> by the time I entered my second year, I said, ah, I've played myself. I should have just done Yoruba in peace. That that's your purpose. Run after that purpose. Go for it. <laughs> Very ridiculous. Praise the Lord. Purpose is not figured out. And in case you've not gotten the hint, purpose is not your career. Are you getting this? A lot of people were taught that there must, that there's one career that God wants you to do. That's what He created you to do. Can I, newsflash, it's not true. It is not true. God did not create you to do any career. Per time, depending on His leading, He can ask you, do this or go this way. But did He create you for that? No. Because many times, you will do that thing that you said God created you to do for two years, then the same God that created you to do it will tell you, get up and go somewhere else. Is that true? Someone say, God created me to be a doctor. You go to school, seven years, you get a medical degree. You come out of school, 
and you find a good job in Chevron, you say no. This is a good job. I like it, but it's not my purpose. I'm going to go. Come on. Praise the Lord. Purpose is not figured out. Purpose is not your career. Praise the Lord. Purpose is not your talent. Some people, their talents are hidden. Do you know that there are some people that will never discover their talent because of geographical location? Raise your hand if you know how to surf. Raise your hand if you know how to surf. Do you know that you don't know if you don't know how to surf? Because we don't surf in this country. <laughs> Just think about that. We don't surf in Nigeria. Some of you might actually be good at it. <laughs> so some of you will never discover what they call talent because of geographical location. Some of you will never discover talent because of circumstances around you. Do you know how many people in the villages who if they handled a computer and learned programming will be very good at it but just never had the opportunity to do so? Will you now say that God's purpose for their lives will not be fulfilled because of where they were born? Does that seem fair? Purpose is not talent. We put too much premium on talent. We place too much premium on talent. Purpose is not talent. Purpose is not what you know how to do. <laughs> Amen. Some of you don't yet know it, but you are very good barbers. A lot of ladies realized that they could barb hair because of the pandemic. They had to barb their husband's hair or their son's hair. And then they realized, hmm, I'm actually good at this thing. All their lives they didn't know. So they've discovered their purpose now. That was the day I discovered why God created me to barb hair. Praise the Lord. If anything, purpose cannot be tied to things that change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Purpose cannot be tied to things that can change. So if you will put your life in order, discover that purpose that is independent of situations and circumstances that do change. Are you getting what I am saying? It is not my purpose to become a pastor. That what God created me to do is become a pastor. It's a lie. He called me. True. He asked me to do it. True. And I'm obeying. Yes. If God says tomorrow, stop, I will stop. Hand over to somebody else. Why? Because in the end, it's an assignment. Don't make the mistake of confusing assignments with purpose. Assignments are vehicles for purpose. Are you getting this? Assignments are vehicles for purpose. I have a younger brother, and to be very sincere, I don't know his class. And I'm not a bad elder brother for that. I don't know his class. I used to know, then I moved out of the house, and now I don't know. But he's in primary school, Sha. And every day, when he comes to school, now they've been locked down for months, but when school was in session, he would come back home with an assignment. Is that assignment why we sent him to school? No. No matter how important the assignment is, it does not define purpose. It is just a vehicle for that purpose. Do you get this? Is preaching, is pastoring important? Absolutely. Is it important to be a doctor? It is. Is it important to be a lawyer? It is. Is it important to be a broadcaster? It is. But no matter how important that assignment is, it does not define purpose. It will only act as a vehicle for purpose. The reason why they gave him assignments is so they can, we can fulfill the purpose for which he was sent to school, which is to get a formal education. Do you understand? We sent him to school to get a formal education. 
in trying to get him that formal education, they give him assignments. You must realize that God sent you here for a purpose and every activity that he allows you to or he permits you or instructs you to engage in is a vehicle for that purpose. You must see it as such. Praise the Lord. Now, we have established. In fact, let me say one last thing before I tell you what purpose is. Today's teaching is actually long. Listen, purpose is not happiness. Purpose is not happiness. Have you heard the statement that you know that you have found your purpose when you are happy doing what you are doing? Come on. Praise the Lord. I enjoy design. And I like to think myself as a fairly good graphics designer. But you see, there are some times that I don't want to design. Amen. Some of you are great with sewing clothes. You know how to draw designs for clothes. You know how to sew them. Does that mean that every single time that you are smiling sewing the clothes? No. Purpose is not necessarily happiness. In fact, in fact, many times, let me say this. Many times, doing what you love will not put you in a happy position. You have, to, you have to face that fact. You might love it, does not mean you'll be happy doing it. Praise the Lord. Sometimes doing what you love will be uncomfortable. So when people say, oh, whatever makes you happy, just do it. Happiness is overrated. Happiness is temporary. Listen, happiness is important. But know the place of happiness in your life. Praise the Lord. The irony of purpose is that when you discover purpose, you'll be ready to give your life up for it. A lot of people think that when you discover purpose, you found that thing that will make your life worth living. When you discover purpose, you will find that thing that you'll be ready to give your life up for. Do you understand that's the difference? The Bible tells us that God will have all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, in Genesis chapter 1, God created Adam for one reason only, to have fellowship with him. I hope you know, God didn't create Adam to be the gardener in Eden. He could have assigned an angel to do that. Do you see? He didn't create Adam to be the gardener in Eden. He created Adam for one reason alone, to know him. And Adam will know him as God. And when you read through scripture, this is the unifying thread throughout scripture. He says, if you will keep my commandments, I will be your God and you will be my people. God created man to have a relationship with him, with you. That's your purpose. That's why you are here. Number one, to know God. That's what God created you for. So, your lawyering, your doctoring, hairdressing, DJing, whatever it is that you think God asked you to do, is for that purpose. Number one, to know Him. And so, this is the problem with the idea that your career is your purpose. A lot of times, because a lot of people think their career is their purpose, the moment they find out what career they feel comfortable in, they leave God out of it. Because I've got to give this my all now. But you don't realize that nothing makes any sense the moment you take God out of it. If God does not exist within your career, if there is no God at the center of the activities you do, you have missed purpose. You now abuse that career. Are you getting this? Because I told you at the beginning, like Miles Monroe said, when the purpose of a thing isn't known, abuse is inevitable. 
If God is not at the center of my career, if he's not at the center of my business, if God is not at the center of my family, I have missed the purpose of the family. I have missed the purpose of that career. I have missed the purpose of the academics. I have missed the purpose of the business. I have abused it. And many people, this is why things are not in order for them. God is not at the center. A lot of people try to use God in their businesses like a genie, in their careers, in their academics, like a genie. We all have that one friend who only calls us when he's in need. And that's what many people want to turn God into. If God is not at the center of your business, if God is not at the center of your life. Remember, when we, when we talked about Jesus' culture, I think it was Jesus' culture, that was the first Sunday after we reopened. We talked about how a lot of people say things like, oh, there's my spiritual life, my academic life, my social life, my business life. And listen, you have one life. One life. Every other thing is a stream that flows from that one life. Are you getting this? God intended, listen, when God created Adam and he said be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, God intended for the life that he gave to Adam to find its way through his kids. Do you see this? That was why when Adam was severed, that death that reigned in Adam reigned in us too. In the same way, God intends for his relationship with you to find its way into your... Are you getting this? So, so it's not about, oh, what am I good at? It's about, where is God taking me to? You see, I often say this, I would rather do what God is blessing than get God to bless what I am doing. Do you get this? I would rather be where God is than get God to be where I am. Many of you, there is no order because you've taken decisions without putting God in the center of it. Come on. You just got up and ran. And then you got there and realized, I'm on my own now. Then you start to say, God, help me. God, what do I do? Listen, I don't mean that, oh, you can't make um, judgment calls. You can. Especially if it's something you've been praying about and then there's a deadline and it looks like, oh, the deadline is getting close and then God isn't really saying anything about it. In that situation, like I've always said, in the absence of obvious leading, let wisdom lead you. Do you see? But many times, we don't even look for the obvious leading. We don't even try to wait on God. I mean, think about it. Acts chapter 13 verse 2. As the minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said unto them, Separate unto me Saul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, let me tell you something. They were just ministering to the Lord and fasting. And they wanted to select people to go out. Did they know the most fervent people in the group? Yes, fervency is discernible. Do you know what I mean? You know the most ginger people in your group. You have your friends that if it is a dancing competition you are going for, you have the friends you will call. Right? Because you know the ones that can dance. If it is um, an academic competition you are going for, you know the ones that are brainy. If it is prayer, you know the ones that pray. Right? The disciples could have just picked the two most fervent people and sent them out. Do you understand? But the Bible tells us they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Jesus did not pick his disciples until he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Do you get this? He didn't just, he didn't just get up and do things. A lot of you are trying to bring order to something that was established outside of the plan of God. It won't work. I told you last week that the reason why the Tower of Babel experienced the confusion they experienced was not because God wanted them to be confused or because God was afraid that ah, if I don't confuse them, they will reach heaven. They would never have reached him. God is spirit. 
No matter how tall they built. I mean, it's simple science. You, you get past the cloud, ionosphere, tra- um, stratosphere, the troposphere, you enter into space. Keep building. Where do you want to go to? You reach the sun, full stop, you die. Right? They never reached God. The reason why God confused their languages was because they were doing something outside of the set plan of God. You see, because God said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. They said, no, let's not scatter. Let's gather in one place. God said, no, I'm not going to have that. I said, multiply, go away. Do you understand this? A lot of people are trying to build a tower of Babel in their lives. God has said, do one thing, you do the other. And then you go and say, God, come and bless what I'm doing. He will confuse your language. Praise the Lord. And so, if you will set your life, a lot of people have been complaining. I don't know how this year has been going. I don't like the way my life is going. Listen, I'm not saying that if, if, if things are not working out the way you want them to work out, it means that every single time you're outside of the plan of God. No. But what I'm saying is, make sure that you have covered that basis first. Make sure that you are within the plan of God for your life. Sometimes you took a decision that you thought was wise and then it's not working out. Spend time and say, God, should I continue or should I stop? Don't get too attached to things. Don't let your ego lead you astray. You came out and you said, I'm going to do this. Then you went back and God said, I don't think so. Don't come out and say, I know God said I don't think so, but I'm going to do it. You get in trouble. Do you get what I'm saying? You get in a lot of trouble. You've told all your friends, I'm traveling next month. I'm going to go and chill. And then you're going to go and apply for the visa. And then God says, you're not going anywhere. Don't now say, but God, why shouldn't I go? Do you understand this? Your purpose is to know God. And listen, the first way you know God. A lot of people think when we say develop a relationship with God, what we are saying is get into a romantic relationship with God. You know there are people that think like that? They want to have this special, lovey-dovey relationship with God. That's not what it looks like. I mean, think about it. You, Clay, in God. That's the re- Your first point of relationship with God is submission. To submit with, submit everything to Him. In building a relationship with God, the first thing God did to test Adam was give him an instruction so that he doesn't disobey it. But Adam disobeyed it, and that was the problem. So if you are going to build a relationship with God, you must learn to do what? Yield. Submit. The book of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Listen, the reason why God will direct your path is not because, oh, he's so pleased with you now that he he decides to direct you. No, when you acknowledge God in all your ways, you are walking on a path that has been ready made. Do you understand? So, A lot of people are praying for direction. When they should be asking for instructions. Lord, I want to go here. Direct me there. No. The question should be, God, where do you want me to go? Praise the Lord. And while you are waiting, a lot of times, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself in your waiting season. The Bible talks about ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. I don't know why one man wants to marry ten women, but it's a parable. Five were wise, five were foolish. And the Bible tells us that the bridegroom took some time to come. But he finally came in the evening. And when he came, five had oil. The five that didn't have went to look for oil. And by the time they came back, the door was closed. That parable is not about making heaven. Hallelujah. It's not about making heaven. That parable is talking about the leading of God. How God leads you. 
how God directs us. Some of us, in the waiting period, God will have you prepare. So for example, like I said last week, structures. Let me tell you something. Some of you have been praying for God to speak to you, but you won't even hear him when he speaks. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You won't hear him when he speaks. This morning, I heard a preacher tell a story. I'll try as, as best, as much as possible, to um, reiterate. A, a man went to pray to God, and he said to God, God, I need you to give me a sign like you gave Moses. Set this bush on fire. Like you gave Joshua. Let these walls fall down. Um, I think like he said, like you gave Jesus, or like you gave Moses, pass the water into two. And so he went to sit by a river that had a bush that was close to a wall. And then God set, God gave him the sign by setting the hearts of people on fire. God gave him the sign by pushing down the wall of sin. And God gave him the sign by flooding the hearts of people with the Holy Spirit like water. Do you see? And then God kept waiting for him to act. And he kept waiting for God to act. And after waiting for a while, the man turned to God and said, God, have you lost your power? And God asked him, have you lost your hearing? A lot of times, the problem is not that God isn't speaking or God isn't leading. The problem is you are not positioned. Do you understand? You're not positioned. Sometimes there's so much distraction that you can't even hear what God is saying. Last night it rained heavily. And my wife and I were watching one series that I've been seeing the advert for. And I said, I'm going to watch this thing. And then, as God will have it, DSTV was showing the first episode of the first season. I was like, yay. And I was watching it. And suddenly, um, connection is lost. Uh, something error. Some, weather is bad or something. In fact, that was how we knew it was raining. Right? And so we went out and it was raining. What happened? Because of all the things happening around, signal was lost. Sometimes, the distractions you allow into your life distract you from hearing the leading of God. Do you get this? Some of these distractions might be expectations, lofty expectations you set for yourself. Am I saying don't have ambition? Ambition is great. Have ambition. But don't ever let your ambition come in the way of God's plan for you. Listen, if it is my ambition to have 2 million naira by the end of next year, or 10 million naira by the end of next year, but in the middle of next year, I've gotten to 5 million, and God says, take that 5 million and put it in this business. I mustn't let my ambition come in the way of God's plan for me. Do you get what I'm saying? I wouldn't say, oh Lord. I wish I had another 5 million to put in that business. But right now, I'm going somewhere with this 5 million that I have. So please let me. Are you getting this? Don't let your ambition stop you. Listen, some of you, it might be your plan. Oh, we're living right now. Probably we're living in Festac right now. But by the end of next year, my wife and I, my family, are going to move to Lekki. Now, you've prayed you're ready for it. And then when it's time to pay for Lekki, God says, no, I actually want you to travel to Ibadan and move there with your family. Listen, sometimes the leading is not, is not, is not sweet. It doesn't feel okay. But let me tell you something. God's leading will always pay off. Always pay off. Because you are vulnerable outside the plan of God. Do you understand? You are vulnerable outside the plan of God. When you read through the scriptures, you don't see any one time where the angels of God attended to any activity outside of the plan of God. Do you get this? Salvation only rests within the plan of God. Deliverance only rests within the plan of God. You are vulnerable outside of the plan of God. And so if you will grow, if you will put your life in order, you must do it with respect to purpose. And that purpose is first and foremost to know God. And I told you, how do you know God? Number one, you submit to him. Listen, there is no such thing as a believer who doesn't hear the voice of God. The problem though is a lot of people don't know that they are hearing the voice of God. David said... Um, 
no, sorry, Jesus speaking said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. He didn't say they will be trained to hear my voice. As long as you are the sheep of Christ, you will hear his voice. Do you understand that? Yeah, you will hear his voice. You will always hear his voice. Many times the problem though, is that when you are waiting for that voice to sound like thunder from heaven, sometimes that voice is your conscience. Did you know? Sometimes it's your conscience. Sometimes the voice sounds like it's, it sounds like an idea that came into your mind. You were praying and then suddenly it just came into your heart. Be careful to note things like that. Sometimes the voice is other men. Other believers like you come and tell you, I believe God is leading you to do this. I'm not saying everybody that comes to say, I believe God is leading you to do this, immediately not say, yes, I heard it, I'm going to do it. Do you understand? The Bible tells us to test all spirits. So even when somebody comes to say, I believe God is leading you to do this, what do you do with that? You take it into prayer and say, God, this brother said so and so. Talk to me. You see, because many times God will reach you through a brother because you are not listening. Are you getting this? God will reach you through a brother because you are not listening. God will reach you through a burning bush because your mind is in chaos. Do you get this? In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, when the Bible tells us that um, the minister to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Saul and Barnabas. How do you think the Holy Ghost said? Thunder from heaven? No. The Holy Ghost said through somebody. You see, the Holy Ghost said through someone, that's how the Holy Ghost leads. He speaks through men. Sometimes that man is you. Sometimes other men around you. Do you see? In, in um, John chapter 1, in John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to be baptized. And when he went in to be baptized, he was dipped inside the water. And when he, was, when he was brought out, now when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they would say, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So what you imagine is that the clouds opened, thunder came, and they heard the voice of God. Right? That's what you imagine. But when you read the book of John, John clarifies. It was John the Baptist that said, that this is the beloved son of God in whom God is well pleased. So if you're expecting thunder from heaven, it doesn't work like that. Can God thunder mightily from heaven? Yes. Do you understand? Yes. But like I always like to say, when you grow, leading must become easier. As you grow, leading must become easier. When you were a child, it took your mother to shout, don't touch it, before you touch it, before you say, okay, I won't touch it. And sometimes you say like four, five times, before you now realize, okay, I won't touch it, right? As you grew, the number of times reduced. It got to a point where you want to touch it, she'll just give you eye. You know you shouldn't touch it. It gets to a point, she's not even around you. As you want to touch it, you just hear her voice in your head. You have sense. <laughs> Is that true? That's how growing, that's what growth does. As you grow, it becomes easier to be led. As you grow as a believer, don't expect a voice from outside. It's not a sign of maturity. God speaks to you through a burning bush. It's not. It means you are not listening. If God has to get to you through burning bush, you are not listening. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are not listening. Because he will speak to you first through his spirit that is already inside of you. If, if you are not listening to that, he will send men to you. So look at how far you have to go for God to speak to you through burning bush or thunder from heaven or an angel will appear to you in your prayer. God is telling you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And then the second thing is God will have all men know him. And so your purpose is to know God and make him known. Do you see that? To know God and make God known. To know God and make God known. So when you read through the Old Testament, you see God consistently instructing the patriarchs that they should train their children in the way of the Lord. Because God intends for us to know him 
and make him known. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says that if any man being Christ is a new verse 17, if any man being Christ is a new creature, and all things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who has reconciled us unto Christ. And it says, And we are now made ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of um, Christ Jesus. It says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Then he now says, And we beseech you therefore, as though we were talking on behalf of God. Do you understand this? So, we are new creatures. All things that we have now belong to God, which means we now know him. We've submitted ourselves to him. All things belong to him. But what else? We are ambassadors and we beseech the people who don't know him. As though we were speaking in Christ's stead. So, we know Christ and we make him known. The great commission, all power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. He now says, go ye therefore into all the earth. And he says, teaching nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, not only do you know him now, you must go forth and tell people. Your career is a vehicle for that purpose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, let me tell you this. This life is too heavy for everything that you do to be about money. Listen, have a good family. Travel abroad. Please travel abroad. This country is hard. Travel abroad. Have a good time. Do you understand? But make sure that that is secondary to knowing God and making him known. Your family is not a happy home until everybody in your family knows Christ. Are you hearing this? Your career is not a God-centered career until that career is about knowing God and making him known. Listen, be a great accountant, be an excellent engineer, but use that platform as a vehicle for your purpose. Am I saying become harassive and start harassing everybody in your office? Do you know Jesus? I remember, I remember when I was in the university. Um, there was so some sometimes um, they have this thing before you write an exam, you must meet seventy percent attendance, right? And so sometimes there will be errors and you don't meet seventy percent, so you got to meet the lecturer to rectify. I remember there was this lecturer in uh, I think it was EIE who made sure. Like, if you come to his office to say, Sir, I didn't get 70%, but I was in all your classes, he will say, Kneel down first. Have you accepted Jesus? Say after me, Lord Jesus. Everybody that came to, everyone, everyone. If you come in group, you all kneel down and receive Jesus by force. Very terrible behavior. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying do that. But God exposes you to people every day who don't know Jesus. Listen, it's not easy to do it by yourself. But you have the Holy Spirit to help you. Have you tried to reach out to them? Say hi. So I noticed that you don't come to church on Sunday. Let's talk. What are your views? Um, I think next month or upper month, we're going to talk about evangelism and how to do it. Do you understand? Jesus wanted to preach to the woman in John chapter 4. He didn't start by saying, um, you are wearing Vivon, you are going to hell. Or I have good news for you. Do you understand? He started by saying, give me water to drink. Simple, right? He knew where he was going. But he started from water to drink. Be subtle. Are you here? Be subtle. Be creative. So, for example, there is a trend, 600 years. You can, now, you can use it and say, ah, that's 600 years. But I, I can imagine where I'll be in 600 years. And that would be a conversation. What if people could live for 600 years? Then you can find a way to get, get that back to, well, there's such a thing as eternal life. And see if that sparks up a conversation for you. Don't just say, have you, have you heard about Jesus? I have good news for you, brethren. You know, all those people that say things, they don't look like they're giving you good news. 
brother, I have good news for you. <laughs> like it's by force, you must collect it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Order is only possible when your life is built with respect to purpose. Are you getting what I'm saying? If you don't build your life with respect to purpose, listen, I'm not saying you won't, make, you won't be successful. You see, don't mistake success for order. Mm-mm. I'm not saying you won't be successful. You might be successful. In your business, you might do great. In your academics, you might do well. I mean, there are Muslims who come out with first-class results all the time. That Gute is not a Christian. Do you see? But let me tell you something. You will consistently try to discover what the meaning of your life is. There will be this dissatisfaction that you cannot take care of and you cannot shake until you put your life in order with respect to purpose. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.